actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 today. Nine one one emergency. Hello. Okay, where are you located? I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't hear you. Are you able to tell me where you're located? Are you at a Okay, I got Sheldon. What's the number? 553 Sheldon. Okay, can you tell me what's going on there? Okay, ma'am, I'll start the police that way. Can you tell me what your name is? Who's the person who's causing trouble there? Okay, I've got a call entered, so we're going to get the police started that way, all right? Can you tell me what room of the house you're in? If you're a well-seasoned veteran dispatcher, it might be a pretty rare thing to have a call that crosses your headset that sticks in your head. But it does happen from time to time. Sometimes it's the actual call itself and sometimes it's the outcome. This episode right here, for me anyway, it would probably be one of those that stuck with me for a while. And in this case, it's both the call and the outcome. I'm Brandon, and this is another episode of Music City 911. Good evening or day, whichever one it is, wherever you're listening to in the world right now. At the moment, when I just started recording... More than likely, the Super Bowl is kicked off, and estimates between 90 and nearly 120 million people could be watching the game. 
I'm not one of them. I'm here in the studio churning out a new episode. But getting back to the actual episode itself, just like in Dispatch, sometimes there's a case that jumps ahead of others that I feel needs to be pushed a little bit quicker than other ones that I had previously looked at. This is one of them. The call that you heard right there at the beginning of the episode, it was pretty hard to hear. Sometimes calls like that do come in on dispatch. The first time I listened to that call, I couldn't tell what was being said on the caller's end. That dispatcher did a good job of pulling out a, an actual address from what was being said to him. What I'm going to do is play the same call in its entirety over again, but instead of playing it like I did the last time, which was the original unedited version of it, I'm going to boost the audio some of the caller's end of it and see if we can pull a little bit more out of it. Nine one one emergency. Hello. Okay, where are you located? I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't hear you. Are you able to tell me where you're located? Are you at a Okay, I got Sheldon. What's the number? 553 Sheldon. Okay, can you tell me what's going on there? Okay, ma'am, I'll start the police that way. Can you tell me what your name is? Who's the person who's causing trouble there? Okay, I've got a call entered, so we're going to get the police started that way, all right? Can you tell me what room of the house you're in? Even with audio boosted, it was still pretty difficult to hear. The address was given and understood after a couple tries. 553 Shelton Avenue. That full address ended up being 553 Shelton Avenue Southeast in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The whole thing started out by the caller saying, I need help. It was so low that the dispatcher couldn't even hear that initially. The caller repeated that she needed help. That bit was understood by the dispatcher. At that point, he did what he could to get the address. Something I've explained multiple times on the show, that the address is the single most important information to get, because if nothing else is received, you can at least send someone out to investigate what's going on. The biggest part of it, the call anyway, after the address was given, again, it was barely audible, and I can't say if I was on the phone with this caller if I would have heard exactly what was being said at the time. What she did say was, can you just hurry up, please? I'm fixing to die. He's trying to kill me. He already killed my auntie. At the end of the call, he asks for the caller's name and she responds, Kiana. That's when the call disconnects and the conversation ends. 
if all that was able to be heard, and that's a big if, there are different rules and regulations regarding callbacks in different agencies. Somewhere there's a suspected burglary or a domestic issue or something along that line where calling back might further endanger the caller. Most agencies have rules in place to not call back. Something like this call, I doubt I would be calling back just because of the possibility of what might be going on there. From the limited info, it could have been a burglary. Might have been a home invasion robbery. It might have also been a domestic situation. Could be a few different things. But that caller safety might have been compromised if she was trying to hide from someone that was trying to kill her and her phone started ringing. Police were dispatched out to the scene. I'm not sure what time it took for them to respond, but three officers arrived and did a standard check of the house. All three were wearing body-worn cameras. They approached the front door of that location that was given to them, and that location had an enclosed front porch. They entered that front porch and knocked on the door. I won't play the audio from the body-worn cameras simply because there's not a lot to hear. It's just them knocking on the door and asking a few questions amongst themselves. While they're at the front door, they do ask dispatch to try a callback. At this point, it is safer to make a callback because there's help there on the scene. Dispatch did try to make a callback, but there was no answer. Officers then walked around the house. They looked into what windows they could see into. They tried the doorknobs of that door, tried knocking on a side door, and tried that doorknob as well. Both of them were locked. And looking inside the house through the windows, nothing was out of the ordinary. They were not on the scene a long extended time, but they covered every avenue they could, checking all they could while there. Being that they found nothing, and legally at this point they couldn't enter the home, they checked back in service from the call and went on to answering other calls. A little over two hours after this, Another 911 call was received. Nine one one emergency. What's the address? Okay, stand on my you said shirt. Five sixty three Sheldon Avenue Southeast, correct? Yes, please. Means that she's not breathing. I don't know. I don't. She's not moving. Hold her head, please. Okay. All righty. Stand alive with me. I do have fire and police on the way. Stand alive with me. We're going to connect over to medical, okay? And you said that there's blood everywhere? There's blood everywhere. Did she cut herself or try to commit suicide? I don't know. She's doing her job. Grand Rapids here. I pre-alerted already for 553 Sheldon Avenue Southeast. 553 Sheldon Southeast? Yes. 
Pre-alert already for a female there, not breathing. Caller says she sees a lot of blood. All right. Caller? Ma'am? Oh, my Ma'am, I have help on the way. I have a few questions. Tell me. Is she back here? Come on. Is she back here? Oh, my God. Ma'am, I need to know what's going on there. Tell me what's going on. I'm not a man with her brother. I don't know. She's naked. I used to stop over here before I go to work to my granny house and her friends. Was over here outside and came in, and I, went, I didn't even come upstairs. Her friend did, and she hid naked, blood everywhere. Please. Okay. Tiana. All right. How old, is Tiana. How old is she? She twenty. She bought in ninety four. Okay. Eight ninety four. She's about twenty nine. All right. I need she to. She's not moving, Ma'am, they're on the way. I need to ask you: Is oh, she breathing? Ma'am, is she breathing? I'm not a ma'am. No, I'm a her brother. Okay. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Please come home. They're on oh their way there. No breathing. Med one. Oh, Med one is not much. Not the one on. Okay. Well, you can stay on. I'm sorry. What was oh that? Oh my God. Stay on. Okay. Where is she bleeding from? I don't know. Is somebody stabbed her? Right here. Yeah, somebody stabbed her or something. She's been stabbed? Yes. It's okay. blood everywhere. My little sister is naked. Please come home. Okay. Sir, they're on the way, okay? All right. Is she breathing? No, I don't know. I don't know how to tell. She's not moving. I'm yelling her name. She's not moving. Okay. Please. <laughs> All right, they're on the way there. I need you to tell me now every time she takes a breath in. I need to know if she's breathing. Oh, no, she's not moving. It's like she's, she's not everywhere like she's been breathing for a long time. Okay. All right, we're going to stage on this one as well. Okay. Please, come on. After that call, police returned to the scene this time. It took them about seven minutes to get there and found both Kiana and her aunt murdered, shot to death. The scene was just like the caller described, very bloody. Details on some aspects of it are kind of sparse, but other parts, they did give some details. The aunt, Charletta, who was 47 years old, was found in an upstairs bedroom after making initial contact with the caller and finding Kiana. Charletta was in that upstairs bedroom and she was found laying on the bed under a blanket with a gunshot wound to the back of her head. From what it looked like, she had no idea what was happening. She was watching something on an iPad with earbuds in her ears. The iPad, when she was found, was still playing, and the earbuds were still in her ears. Kiana was shot multiple times. After the start of this part of the investigation, they determined that two people lived in the house with the two victims the owner of the house, and then Charletta's boyfriend, who was unaccounted for. The boyfriend had lived there at the house for about two years. The family knew very little about him. They didn't know his full name or his phone number. He didn't have any type of social media like Facebook or anything like that. When he was there, he rarely left the bedroom where he and Charletta, they stayed. The family simply knew him as Jay. 
after the homeowner was cleared because she was at work, as well as the fact that Kiana on her call said that he was trying to kill her, Jay become the number one suspect. So how do you find someone with just their first name that no one knows a lot about? Past what I've already mentioned, they only knew that Jay didn't have a job and that he had spent some time in jail, but past that really didn't know too much about him. The jail piece, along with something that was found, helped piece it all together. A detailed search of the bedroom of the initial victim turned up some interesting evidence. In the top of one of the closets was a Nike shoebox. Inside of that shoebox were a lot of letters written to Sherletta, and it looked like those letters were sent from jail. Early on in the letters, the person writing them said his name is Daryl Brown, but that no one calls him by that, and he goes by Jay. From that, they were able to get a better idea of who the suspect was. At this point, he was the number one suspect, as I said. Connecting the dots further also happened. Inside of her drawer, there in the bedroom, one that had men's clothing in it, police found an empty box for a 9mm high point pistol. By empty, I mean there was no gun inside. There was, however, a purchase permit as well as a serial number. When police ran that information, they found out that the gun had been reported stolen and that the owner was a woman. They found info from that woman who had made a report about her boyfriend at the time harassing her. She knew him as Jay. Her gun was stolen around the same time that the two were dating. In an alley close by the house, police found a bag with a gun partially sticking out as well as a box of ammunition. Later on, ballistics testing was done and found that the gun in the bag matched the ammo there at the scene. That was their murder weapon. At this point, they knew who the suspect was, had pulled up pictures of him and verified his identity with the homeowner, found the murder weapon, and matched the bullets as well. Open and shut case, right? Well, not really. The next thing is they had to find him. Police went all around the area looking at security cameras at businesses and any other place that had them to see if they can track where he might have gone. They tracked him to a couple different spots. One of them was pretty odd. It was a children's museum. He walked in and talked to the desk clerk saying he knew someone inside. He was there for a few minutes while staff told him he couldn't go in and just wander around the building. A couple more sightings from businesses around that area saw him as well. Then he was gone. This was nearly three years ago. He still hasn't been found. Daryl Demon Brown, yes, that's his real name, Daryl Demon Brown, is still on the loose. He has contacts and has found to have family members in several cities around the United States. Right now, he's on the U.S. Marshal's most wanted list with a $25,000 reward for info leading to his arrest. On the most wanted poster, it says he's wanted for charges of receiving and concealing a stolen firearm and two counts of homicide. He is considered to be a significant threat to the public. 
It also says that he had lived in Grand Rapids almost all of his life, but he has family in Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, and Ohio. His description is that he's a male black, now 48 years old, 5 foot 8 inches tall, with black hair and brown eyes, weighing around 180 pounds. They say he looks very unassuming and could literally be standing behind you in a grocery checkout line. The picture of him on the poster, it confirms this. He looks like a very regular looking guy. Of course, he has used the alias Jay several times, but he's also gone by J.J. Robinson, Michael Richardson, and Marcus Wright. So he's not afraid to use other names. If you have any knowledge of this man, you're urged to contact the nearest U.S. Marshal's office or their main phone number, which is one eight seven seven wanted two. That's one eight seven seven wanted two. And you can also go online www.usmarshals.gov slash tips. It's very disturbing. This man brutally killed two people and could just vanish like this. I truly hope he can be caught sooner than later. The family have questioned the initial police response and actions. If I were them, I probably would as well. Knowing what we know from the initial 911 call, it's hard to know that police went to the scene and weren't able to do anything initially. But that's just it. From what they observed, legally, they weren't able to do anything else. As I said before, they did their standard 360 around the house. They tried doorknobs. They looked into the windows that could be looked in. And they also heard nothing while they were there. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. The county prosecutor went on record saying, and correctly, I might add, that a house is a very protected place by the Fourth Amendment. He noted that there has to be pretty substantial reason to enter someone's house without a warrant. Also noted that there are prank calls all the time trying to get police to do the same thing. I can personally attest to this. Prank calls happen frequently on 911. But this falls into one of those incredibly unfortunate areas of the Fourth Amendment. Could the police, on their initial entry, have stopped the murders? It's hard to say. Definitely not the first murder. The second one, maybe. But, from what we could hear on the phone and how abruptly that call ended, I seriously doubt it. It could have got the police on track with the suspect a little bit quicker, but again, legally, they couldn't have entered the home from what they saw. I don't think they could have even obtained a warrant from the limited info and lack of immediate evidence that they had. I really do hate that this happened, and it's even more disturbing because something like this could happen almost anywhere. With the limited info on this, I knew that this would be a shorter episode, so I've decided to throw in another incident. City of Los Angeles 911, operator 921. <coughs> Hi, um, I'd like to report a domestic violence. Um, uh, to what address? 22 Wall Street. Uh, house or apartment? Apartment. 
What unit? Um, number. Number. Okay. What do you see or hear? Okay, I heard um shouting and banging, and then when I when I went outside to check, um the boyfriend of my sister she lives in apartment. The boyfriend um he was hitting her, he dragged her down the stairs, and she tried to kick him out, but he's threatening her that he's gonna kill her, and he's banging on the door right now. Yeah. He's banging and banging, and he says he's gonna break it down and do something to her. She's inside of the unit. Yes, and he's banging on the door trying to get in. Oh, okay. What's uh, what's his name, and is he white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? He's Hispanic. His name is Rosendo. Rosendo? I don't know his last name, but that's his name, Rosendo. Okay. How old is he? Um, He's around 28 years old. What color clothing is he wearing? Gray shirt, gray shorts. Gray shorts. Do we need he's a call to get um, out of the building? Um, so he's not supposed to be in there at all. Hold on a second. Does she have a restraining order against him? Um, I'm not sure about that. Okay, hold but, on. Um, Let me let the uh, officers yeah. know. One sec. Okay. So to me, that call sounds like a pretty normal call as far as a domestic situation goes. We get calls like this every day some sort of a boyfriend or girlfriend, someone like that who was at a house and they're doing something, a lot of times they're not supposed to be there and they're refusing to leave. Police got to the scene and found the suspect in this sitting outside on the porch of this location, which looked like it was a probably at one point a house turned into a set of apartments. What's going on? Can you do me a favor? How are you doing? Alright, you? Good. What's, What's going on today? Shit. No, no argument or anything? Nah, I ain't no argument. No? Nope. What's your name? Rosendo. Rosendo? Alright. Where do you live? I'm homeless. You're homeless? Yeah. So, why are you staying right here right now? Because this is my neighborhood. Okay. All right. This is all I got. All right. Well, listen. People don't like you blasting the music right here and making this kind of noise. All right. Man. All, right. all right. I have to have. I have to just search you because that's part of my job. Oh, all right. Do me a favor. Yeah. Just go turn around for me. Turn around. No. Get your hands out of your pocket. It's oh, cool. I, right there. I got it. Just turn around for me. All right. Be careful with my hand, yeah? Which one, right one or left? Yeah, this one right here. Right, this right. one. The one you got my All blood right. on. Alright. At this point, with the limited info that I have on the call, and just going on what I saw in the video and what I heard, it looks like they tried to make contact with the potential victim after detaining the suspect and searching him. They didn't find anything on him. They did what they could to try to get somebody to the door, but no one answered. At this point, they couldn't arrest the suspect and ended up having to let him go. A bit like the last incident, there was a second call, but luckily this time, the call was not nearly as bad as the previous one. LA City 911, operator 918, was the address of your emergency? 
Okay, what's going on there? Um, I just I just recently called like ten minutes ago. Okay, what was this uh, regarding? Uh, um, domestic violence. Is this regarding your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Um, it's, it's the boyfriend of my sister. She came back and he started to burn down her apartment, and she he started to make his way through. He's he's there right now. Yes, he did, came back to the building. They didn't arrest him. No, they let him go because I guess he either had weapons. All right, give me one second, okay? 67. Yes. What is he doing right now? Right now, um, I think he's inside her apartment because he broke down the, the door. Right now? He broke down the, the knobs. Okay. Yes, he came back. Give me one second. Police again responded to the same house slash apartment. This time, they were met with the same suspect, but his mood had completely changed. Where's your house? He's inside? Is anybody else in there? Is your house the left or the right? The left. And it's two stories? Yes. Rosendo! He says that he's getting out of the whole apartment. He puts him to burn down our whole apartment all over the building. Is he your family? No. How do you know him? Because of his dad. What about his dad? We know his dad. How do you know that? Well, he's your cousin? Oh, your aunt's dating him? Yeah. Okay, Rosendo! It's LAPD! Come on! Stop! Hey, put the lighter down. Come on. Fuck man. you! He has fire all over You have two options. This house is surrounded with nothing but gas fluids. You're fucking Either stupid. you fucking approach me, I'll light this motherfucker up. You heard a fucking, you heard a damage. You took a fuck already, you dumb shit. Rosendo, stop that. Fuck you and fuck them too. Get a knife in his hand. Yeah, all right. So, what the fuck you gonna do about the knife? Rosendo, back up. Rosendo, back up. Rosendo, back up, Rosendo, stop him. Drop the knife. Shoot. Drop the knife. Shoot. Drop the knife. Hey, back. Stay back. 
the suspect had a butane torch and a knife in his hand. He started advancing on the officers and wouldn't obey any of the commands. They had no choice but to shoot. Any closer and it could have been a repeat of last week's episode with one or more officers stabbed. This all happened on December 18th of last year. The suspect in all this was 34-year-old Rosendo Olivio. He was pronounced deceased at the scene. I wish I had some more info past this, but really that's all that there's been released. There's been nothing talked about if he was on drugs or another mental episode. It's kind of hard to say. Obviously, there was something going on with him, but who knows what it actually was. That will do it for this episode. Be sure to share the episode with anyone that you think might like to listen and follow the show on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and most recently, TikTok. Also, I'm going to have to repeat this, and you'll probably be hearing it quite a bit. CrimeCon 2022 is going to be in Las Vegas this year, and Music City 901 will be right there on Podcast Row with a lot of other great shows. Dates for the show are April 29th through May 1st. More info regarding Music City 901 and CrimeCon are still upcoming. I'd love to see as many of you there as possible, and if you want to go, head over to CrimeCon.com for tickets and use the code MC911 for discounted tickets. Until next time, for Music City 901, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.